you know, talk we're on. <laughs> we're on. Uh, good evening. Welcome to Fallout Podcast. Uh, special six era. 1997 to 2000-and-something era, Levitate, the Marshall Suite, the Unutterable, and Are You Are Missing Winner. Joined, as always, by Pip, Sage, and the Walker. How are you, Phil? I'm very good, mate. Thank you very much for asking. Excited about this run of LPs? I'm very excited about it today, actually. We've had, uh, it's been a little bit of slim pickings on these episodes, I think, last last couple. It's, we've had to be quite creative, I think, you know, we've talked about them, but I'm properly looking forward to it. We've got some stonkers. Yeah, last bunch, you know. Not everyone's cup of tea, but this round, interesting stuff. Again, not for everyone, but interesting. How about you, Ezra? How are you feeling about tonight's rundown? Tonight, I am also thrilled. I mean, it's a smashing nest of curate's eggs here. And I would disagree with Phil because basically all the full albums so far are fucking awesome and great. And I would go back and listen to any of them, even Cerebral Cortex. 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 Exactly. They all have their moments, Um, but we. Our eras that we we hold fondly. This bunch, there, yeah, there's something to write home about. I don't know what you're gonna put on that postcard. Exactly. <laughs> and about you, Alistair? I always look forward to doing this shit. It's a good laugh, isn't it? But yeah, it's, it's a good good little selection, isn't it? I'll agree with Phil. I think I, I prefer it to the last era, the early stuff. That's that's firmly my kind of territory. Here's a story so far. Four friends form a band post pistols, witch trials, Brammer and Baines. Then they're gone. Dragnet, Riley, Scanlon, Hanley, Grotesque, The Hexen Hour. Ooh, it's a big time. Bricks E. Smith turns up. Wonderful and frying in perfected languages. Lecky, Pan Piper Rogers, This Nation's Saving Grace, Funky Side, Ben Sinister. Marsha and the Orange Ballet, Friends, UK Chart Top 20, Goodbye Bricks, The 90s Major Label, Extricate, Branner's Back, Sequences, Fiddles, Shiftwork, The Dave Era, Computers, Bush, Code Selfish, Dropped, Top 10 LP, Burns is Back, Bricks is Back, Cerebral Caustic, Ooh, Scanlon Gets Chiseled, Nagel is In, Light User, Hooray! Bricks quits for good. Boo. And now everything falls apart. The end of eras for everyone, a.k.a. the Nagel era, a.k.a. the Blaney era, a.k.a. the midpoint of no return. So first up, we have 1997's Levitate, LP number 19. How do you feel about giving us a smattering of that LP, Philip?
it just the other night I turned the corner to a first fan And I look up, I look up, I look up, I look around Julia Nagel on keyboards and guitar, Steve Hanley on bass, Funky Simon Wollstonecraft on drums, Carl Burns on drums, and a dude called Tommy Crooks popped up on guitar for about four or five, never to be seen or heard of again. It was released in 1997, and the genre was alternative rock. Last album to feature Carl Burns. It was his fourth stint, fourth and final stint. Bass player Steve Hanley's last one. Wollstonecroft left or at some point because they got a £200,000 VAT bill that put everyone's houses at risk. Like Hanley and Smith were going to lose their house. Apparently the guys from Dose, who were Pete Waterman's mates, were supposed to... Um, produce it but then they fell out with smith as well so they only did four so a bit of a patchwork got to number 69 in the uk charts and was followed by a shambolic tour in which smith sacked the entire band then reinstated them all then went on tour to america had a big fight on stage and that they all quit again so pretty eventful time all in all phil what do you make of levitate well i've, I've got laws of stuff that i want to say about levitate but i think i'm going to pass the ball straight to ezra to be honest with you because i know that he's a he's a big fan of this album and i kind of want him to set the stall out first before i i get my teeth into it really i think uh, it'll be a better conversation that way so over to you Ezra. all right then nice one okay you know i don't think i would i could say that this is the perfect fall album but it is a perfect album i think it's fantastic on so many levels and part of that is its operatic aspect i avoided the word soap there don't know if you noticed but you know it's like we're saying goodbye on this album to basically some real kind of great old hands you know cal burns funky side to all the drummers all the drummers are fucking off but yeah you know sonically it is so magnificent to me it's really got the kind of texture of when drugs go wrong and when you get into a serious fucking bender and you know everything just becomes kind of vacuum wrapped and there's just this like constant i mean that's what my granddad told me it was like when he got really fucked up on meth Shatner's um, bassoon. Yeah. <laughs> this album just has that perfectly and it's also got some of the best fucking electronics of any fall album and that's saying quite a lot because there's actually a lot of great kind of electronic incursions into the fall 
whole sound. But with this one, it's really nailed. And I think that there is, especially in this period, Julian Nagel is really one of the stars of the show because, you know, she took the kind of like pioneering excellence of Marsha Schofield and just went to town on it. And so you've got those beautiful kind of like piano parts and like kind of housey parts in this album and the next. And I'm sure that's all her work. It's that and the kind of glassy-eyed synths over things like Old Gang. Remarkable piece of work. And I'll, I'll leave it at that. So they oft quoted Granny on Bongos. This is essentially what it was at this point. It was Smith and Nagel doing everything else. Grant Showbiz uh, has popped up a few times to say he had a big hand in any yeah Nagel's all over this and uh, I think it's all the better for it it's a mess and it's but it hangs together really nicely and uh, yeah the electronics they are slightly dated but of all the albums of this year this is the least dated I maybe because it was always kind of semi-intentionally cheesy and clunky and that's kind of <laughs> never gone out of vogue in, in certain circles Phil what do you reckon to it then? I, I like a lot of what Ezra was saying there I think this is a really pivotal album I hadn't realised until we'd started doing this forensic survey just how important this album is really to the full sound because like as Ezra was saying there's all kinds of electronic and keys experiments going on before this album but this album is the one where I want to say the guitar takes the back seat but certainly the electronics are just as important as, as the guitar in terms of driving where the musical inspiration comes from and where the atmosphere comes from and it's, it, it really starts pulling its weight in terms of that kind of artistic contribution. I, I think it's made me think a lot of different things listening to this album. One of the one of the things that I've, I've spent quite a bit of time thinking about is that the importance of being a gigging band in the way that the fall have always been a gigging band, as in like travelling around in a van and carrying your own gear and having that chicken jowl existence with other up-and-coming bands, even though you're sort of established. They were always having a finger on the pulse in terms of what was coming up in the scene when we when we still had an underground without getting into that sort of tired conversation about where the underground's gone but when there was that type of scene and that type of organic development of sound there was enough space to kind of do that type of thing failed experiments that are still interesting you know the, all the stuff that we like collectively I guess I think they nail it on this album it's so interesting there's such a sense of excitement all the way through it I'm a bit less warm on the actual songs themselves I don't think it's the strongest showing of songs but certainly in terms of being excited about the music having an energy and a momentum that carries it across some of those perhaps missteps this is definitely one of the better albums from this period if not the best album from this far I think it's the most exciting album to listen to and it genuinely sounds like they've got back to that dangerous experimentalism where things could go wrong but they generally pan out pretty fucking cool and um, so I really really like that about this album I think it's just that brashness and dangerousness that is that's very palpable on this recording which is uh, which is a, a good thumbs up for me it's very much the turning point you know the light user was the last one and it was almost like a, a victory lap so like the song after song so great and so you know kind of mid-period fall done really well and then less than a year later 
it's all falling apart. It's a glorious mess. I'm with you with the songs, other than Ten Houses of Eve, maybe, and, and possibly Masquerade. There's not many songs that you would play to someone put on a compilation. I mean... <laughs> Come on, Old Gang is fucking Jungle Rock. Come on, Four and a Half Inch. They're, all right, there's a few. Bangers. I would put them all on a compilation. And you as soon as I, I put it on a compilation, I, I like levity, I, I, and you know my feelings. And I come and stand at your door as well. It's a, I think it's a gem. So uh, forget what I just said. <laughs> <Really>. <laughs> but what you're saying there, Phil, it's the first time where there's no guitarist. There's no, and it's not the lead instrument. Even on the ones where they brought someone in to do three or four songs because they needed a, a lead guitar kind of riff. But basically, yeah, Nagel's carrying the rest of that stuff and patching it together. So we were saying a while back, weren't we, about producers that had to learn how to record the fall and there are albums where there is obviously a learning process going on and whether that's whether that's the fall not quite being sure how they wanted to sound on record or whether that's producers just working out how the fuck to manage this crazy rabble of a band in the in the studio but this to me this feels like the band getting to grips with electronics and it's like all oh, right now now we know how to drive this car we're going to show you how it's done like they've like they've done on so many other sort of genres and styles it just becomes co-opted now it's just a natural part of the of the fall sort of resume and i look back to our friend d bowie which actually one of the interviews later smith hits this point full on Bowie, he incorporated stuff it wasn't always completely seamless the drum and bass stuff particularly felt slapped on and maybe you could say that about 10 houses of eve but the fact is that those two lads the dose lads were going to produce it and they left before the album even before the album really started and it's still their tracks still fit nicely in here and so do the stuff um, that's more guitar led yeah i think it's actually hangs together remarkably well for the story behind it and the integration of the electronics but let's see what al thinks oh, what do you reckon to levitate hey i'm joey well it would have been great if uh, the band levitate uh, had done a, an lp called the fall to confuse people who work in record shops when it comes down to the filing it's it's a really good lp it's just so varied it's unbelievable but i think that's got a lot to do with this shifting perspective people like in the band the personnel I mean stuff like four and a half inch it's just fucking up a minute I mean uh, even though it's an electronic tr track like the way they've stuck the guitar in there just to sound so like spiky that's great and there's uh, you know stuff like varied sounding Spencer Must Die it's kind of sounds a bit like one of the Jazzy B-Boys songs or something like that and you got Old Gang where it's just sort of like really kind of in your face with like metronomic and then you've got the sort of like reflective sounding stuff like Levitate and um, Stand At Your Door there's some very good very strong songs on there and it's got I'm a Mummy on there as well so what's there to complain about very good there's something a bit more kind of critical of the album it's 97 isn't it when this album comes out and I must admit every time I hear House of Eve I do think about Little Wonder by David Bowie and, and kind of the difference between those two tracks so one sounds like they understand what Jungle's about and the other one is a rock artist with a fast drum beat over the top but there which one bands... <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of bands around about 1997 wasn't it that discovered the break beat and uh, there was there was a standing line in our band of I just slap a great beat over it it'll be fine as in a way of dismissing certain artists and certain songs and stuff and I, there is a little bit of that I think that goes on on this album but there was a lot of it around at the time and it's nowhere near as bad as the other shit that was brought around yeah I remember buying a um, drum and bass version of the Mon Monkeys theme tune once <laughs> 
50 pence bargain bin. It's like uh, that was, it was off the rage. What's Tim reckon to this album? Let's have a look to see what he screamed from the void. Okay. So Leviathan, his take is this. Sorry, Levitate. Unlike anything they had done before, and with a bit more time in the oven and cur, this could have been a stunner. I said in the group chat this week that this could have been a brilliant slate like release, but I think Room to Live would be a better comparison. Get rid of all the covers and waste of time doodles, the stupid instrumental version of a track we hear to great effect later on, etc. And spend a bit more time fleshing out the gems and you'd have a corker. It's one of the albums I know least due to it disappearing when the label went bust, but glad to pay some proper attention now. Indeed. So how about this, Ezra? by Trevor Mcneen in 2008. This may be one of the four more experimental albums, but Levitate was poorly produced by Marky e. Smith, a haphazard mess and not particularly accessible. Technofall, Mez's lazy, bored and wholly fed up delivery, interesting experiments, abandoned before completion, ultimately doesn't really add up to anything. My review of that review is dog shit. I mean, the sound is fantastic throughout this album. It's actually, to my mind, one of the best sounding Paul albums, you know, especially when I compare it to things like Cerebral Caustic. Um, and, uh, what was it? Um, He's speechless. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Trevor's taking well, it down. I- one thing that I wanted to, one thing that I did want to mention is that it's interesting that Phil would say Leviathan as a slip of the tongue because I've also, you know, all this week when I've been thinking about this album, I keep, yeah, but Leviathan is really whatever. Is Another great band. And I, I think that really speaks to the enormity of this record, unlike any other record before ever released. And this was a band that often released records that were quite unlike other records that they'd done. Oh, yeah, and that's it. This whole sketches bullshit i like this has got some of my favorite smith lyrics when your identity is smashed like glass shards on the floor and oh if only you could piece it back together in a rap style it's fucking brilliant and four and a half in even including the covers which have like ad libs and you know changed lyrics top fucking shell Well, let's see how Alistair deals with this one. Levitate delivers the most eclectic and challenging dose since the infotainment scan, the culmination of a decade of subtle shifts in the fall's music away from punk-derived guitar towards electronic dance rhythms, consolidating the old and the new. Subtle wit and energy, Levitate rises above the chart chaff and shines as an example of the fall at their best. It's not too bad a review, is it really? The best since the infotainment Infotainment scan. Uh, well, I think he's. What can you say about the infotainment scan? I, I, if he rates that one, then there's something up with him. Yeah, he's, he's not really picking up on some of the subtleties in it. Like he's just going for the oh, it's a dance record. We're wrong. Normally, am. We'll wait and see if he, if he complains. But this film, one of the strangest records ever made, next to which the Shags look like the Bee Gees. Perfect balance of experimental art and rock and roll. Even bands like the Archers of Love or Radiohead have not hit this level of imaginative songwriting. The most apathetic the Smith has ever been. The music is repulsive and unpleasant. This is not an accidentally flawed masterpiece, but a masterpiece accidentally flawed. This isn't a rock album and it's not a dance album. It's just a fall album. Gloriously shit. <laughs> That's from Leyland back in 2004. Uh, that puts me 
in an awkward position because I kind of agree with all of that, but I'm not sure whether I agree with the sentiment, to be honest with you. It's, uh, he's laying yeah. it on a bit thick, don't you think? He's laid it on a little bit thick, yeah. But I, I think More you know, perplexing than the shags, this record. Indeed, yeah. I think it's, uh, it's a bold claim that I, I think he would struggle to actually defend in court. If we can't use hyperbole when describing fall albums, when can we use it? Exactly, but an, not an accidentally flawed masterpiece, but a masterpiece accidentally flawed. <laughs> We're given the benefit of the doubt, are you? Let's ha- let's move on to the next album. But before that, don't forget, in between this album and the next one, not only did the band fall apart, he also recorded the post Neely Man album, which we won't touch on this evening. But let's all spend a second thinking about that masterpiece. As far as it goes around in the seven-year cycle, it doesn't feel very much like they'd done the start of the group. No, no. And do you, you have the same kind of fans now as you did then? Or? Still very much. I think, I think we're more outside now than we were when we started. Well, this is, this is a reason to keep going. So I think the fall appeals to people who don't go into any category, which and always cheers me up, you know. The fall don't really follow trends, you know, we sort of create them, really. We've always had a good drum and bass sound, you know. Like, we tended to use a few more machines on the last OP, so levitate like... Um, a few more computers, like, but I think machines are there to abuse, really. You know. A lot of this dance stuff, I think, is yeah. I think you get you're in a bit of a danger there, where, where DJs think they're actually uh, musicians. I think it's a bit of a problem. One of the problems of the British music scene is David Bowie really put it back a few years. You know, you know, he's still paying the price for it. You know, every group sort of goes on his guideline. You know, how do you mean he brought it back a few years? It's like pantomime almost, isn't it? It's all watered down. It's very British. It's very all watered down. Instead of having the Stooges, you've got Dave Bowie. You know, instead of having Lou Reed, you got Dave Bowie. You know. Instead of James Brown, you got Dave Bauer. Instead of drums and bass, you got Dave Bauer. You know, it's like... I love that. Instead of the Stooges, you got Dave Bowie. Instead of James Brown, you got Dave Bowie. We've always had drum and bass, strong drum and bass in our music. Brilliant. I love that because it's, I mean, it's a bit tongue in cheek, isn't it? But you do get what he means about him having a bass and drum sound. That's always been very important to the call. Yeah. And he's, he's made superb critiques about other styles of music from that point of view. And I kind of get what he means about right. Dave Bowie. Well, when we were on about Little One, or when I mentioned Little Wonder before, David Bowie always wrote musical theatre that he just picked the genre of the time that he thought he'd have the most likelihood of a hit with. Whereas it, it feels to me like it's a bit more integrated in, or Smith's approach to it is about integrating those things, not just about co-opting those things. He spoke like a man completely out of his mind on hard drugs, but I knew exactly what he meant. I was just surprised he was ragging so hard on David Bowie, but you know, he's he made a good point. I'm not sort of complaining about him slagging Bowie off so I was going to talk about the cover the Levitate cover because it's one of my favourites it very much reminds me of the man with the stick off Vic Reeves and it but is it just someone with tinfoil head it gets criticised as a lazy cover but I think it's brilliant I was just thinking to myself we should have done this all wearing tinfoil helmets that would have been uh, that's a photograph to be done in the future isn't it big stick and a carrier bag at the end of it that brings us to the Marshall suite and maybe start with the cover because this is you know it's one of those that, that provokes me to think it's terrible and then I flip back to thinking I actually quite like it it's a stop sign with a dollar across it never really clocked what it was about and how it connected to the music in any way but uh, that's a secret for Smith maybe is the Marshall suite got something of a concept going on with it 
because he references marshals quite a lot in it, doesn't he? So there's something uh, where I read where he talks about the idea that the Marshall Suite was a concept album, that the crying Marshall was a character. And he said that he thought it might be good to do the story of his life, like a theme running through it. And he said he wants to continue the Marshall theme. Well, it's something like a Roman total, but he abandoned it just as quickly as he abandoned the uh, total shtick in the early days. So to what extent it was the beginnings of some kind of concept there's nothing i can see that, that suggests that the album itself has anything more than just a few references to this character so it's lp number 20 nagel's still on board as is smith of course but this is when now neville wilding shows up for a couple of albums and adam halal and there was a, a woman called karen latham i think who just stayed around for a little while and then tom head on drums so that's wilding halal and head who basically just did this album and the unutterable the band's totally fallen apart at this point it's after Steve Allen is gone it's, he's never coming back there's no more Bricks there's no more Carl Burns Scanlon's gone even Funky Sai's gone Simon Rogers is well gone and Marsh is out the door Brammer's not coming back there's nobody other than Nagel for these next couple of albums there's no connection Grant Showbiz as well I guess but if you're going to cut the story in half and say that there's a there's a midpoint in it this is it this is we're now into the second the beginning of the second half of the fall so 1999 it's released Alternative Rock is what Wikipedia um, call it. It, it. it has some of the techno-y kind of stuff and the electronic stuff of Levitate, but it kind of steps back into a bit more guitar-y. It's a massive patchwork. It's got one reworking of an old song, three covers, two sound collages, and a remix. But... <laughs> really like it there's a lot of great stuff on there uh, al what do you make of the marshall suite he said it's a it's a really varied kind of uh, lp again like the, the sort of like sound collage stuff i mean there's some stuff on there like that i'm not that asked but like f holding money you know it's an okay cover with some nice hand claps in it you know the the stuff like shake off we got like the minimalist drum and bass type approach it's, you know it's okay and then there's just like cock rock in it like on uh, the perfect day but you know it, it does have its uh, sort of highlights like uh, inevitable where it's got like a, a nice kind of like mechanical crazy sort of feel to it nice sort of uh, synthy key stuff going on and uh, uh, you know there's funny little falsetto bits in there uh, anecdotes and antidotes so you know it's it's uh, very much a, a studio LP like uh, I do prefer Levitate it's still good a bit of a mix of rocky stuff with the, the synthy studio stuff it's, it's alright yeah, consider it was essentially slapped together in not long with this well, brand new band. Lack of continuity as well, isn't it? So, I mean, it, it, this is a time when the, the fall were kind of like really troubled. It's who would want to be in the fall. Well, Wesley Smith had the reputation, didn't he, as being a... Um, a lovely bloke to, to work with, you know, uh, on tour or in the studio. It was, it was always very charming, very stormy times for them. If you think about the only other time the whole band left and was then replaced, it was Reformation TLC. And if I, <laughs> as much as this album isn't everyone's favourite, it uh, head and shoulders above what happened. And next time the entire band left him. Let's have a listen to some of the tracks off this shambolic gem. The Marshall Suite, 1999. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. 
play guitars all night. If you deny the trumpet or ecstasy imbibed in, you will end up eyeballing with the mess tops. Or household producing chemicals that contour you. Shake out! Listen to all to our one and all. Just pretend to be men Pretend to be men The radio jam set up You have a right to say It's beyond capable production has held up so well i mean i there's a lot of 90s kind of nostalgia going on these days which is probably help but it really does stand up really well on these two albums the unutterable we'll get to with the production is very different doesn't quite hold up in the quite the same way but these two very strong ezra what do you make of uh, the marshall suite well it, it's you know it, it's really interesting that there was this um, conversation about david bowie earlier because this album i think is maybe the most zeitgeist referencing full album that exists and you know like certain loaded style aesthetic with the kind of like the big beat fucking parts and the underworld parts and fat boy slim parts and the brick poppy parts for one thing that's really hilarious and i concur with you brendan that production is also pretty damn fine i mean i would say with the previous levitate also very 
damn fine. Um, and, you know, an, another interesting comparison with Levitate is I was thinking, you know, if I was making a, a compilation of The Fall, like, I wouldn't even have to think about the Marshall Sweet. I'd just be like, touch sensitive is absolutely going on there. It's like the best song about trying to masturbate but really needing a piss instead. <laughs> I think it might be the only song on that topic that I've ever heard. Um, but it's also a great song. And yeah, <laughs> but when it comes to Levitate, I would actually think of the album first and then I'd be like, all right, what track am I going to put on? And it would probably be four and a half inch, I reckon, rock two to keep things spicy. So yeah, like fucking great album. Um, there's some weird kind of wobbly tracks, which, which means it doesn't quite maintain the same momentum that like Levitate does. There's so much difference as well. Like, you know, there's so much variety. Like you've got the kind of drumless on my own, you've got the rocking touch sensitive and you've got the utterly ridiculous which one is it the crying marshal like the fat boy slim one is is how i think of it where it's just like honestly one of the most unexpected full tracks so yeah you know it, it it's great yeah splendid and you know the band's at its lowest point it didn't really exist at this point and then they go right a storm or like touch sensitive and it's all over all the car adverts and you, it's on telly every 10 minutes. <laughs> and then I don't know, I've talked about this, this, um, Jerry Sadovich performance before and it's on a couple of others where they go and play it and it's Nagel on guitar and someone else on, but I don't know who it is. I don't think they got the band together at that point. I don't know who's on drums and it's Smith. <laughs> it just really sounds like, <laughs> like, you just got four random people off the street and Tom like two chords on guitar and said, play this. Uh, but that in itself is brilliant. Um, that's the, that's them promoting their biggest song of the last 20 years. <laughs> uh, Al, what do you make of uh, Marshall Sweet? Like you've already asked me, bud. Uh, um, yeah. Phil, what do you make of Marshall Sweet? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I was I was nodding away with Ezra then. So I, I think a generous view of it is that it's it's quite a, a tapestry of different zones going on, isn't it? And um, but I mean, to me, the the interesting thing about this album is is two musicians. It's it's the coming together of Nagel and Wilding, and I I think that you've got Nagel is fully capable of marshalling, wanting to rely on the pun too much, but of, of, of the whole zone. She knows what she's doing. She is in charge here. She seems to me like to, to be the engine of this album. But, and I think Neville Alden is a perfect complement to the zone that she, she does. I think we mentioned before, we levitate about the guitar taking a bit of a backseat, really, uh, in the compositions and arrangements. Whereas the guitar comes back with, with a plum on this album. There's loads of great guitar work going on, some very subtle, some a bit in your face. Not all of it is perfect. There's, there's missteps, but I think for a, a new young guitarist coming into a band that is very established with a very, very um, picky fan base that knows what it likes, I think he does a really, really good job of it in the ground running really um and uh, I, you know kudos to the lad really for me that is that's the story of this album it's nagel perfecting what uh, is already very interesting from the last album and never wilding just fitting in hand in glove with a lot of the stuff that she's doing i think is very very good there's bits where it it does kind of stray into the u2 kind of territory at times which is my only criticism of his playing but um i, I think for the vast majority of it it's a very, very 
very good job. I think the songs, uh, whether good, are better than Levitate. It's perhaps not got that same dangerous energy about it that Levitate's got, which is we're all kind of fond of. Um, it's one of those albums where you could just throw it to somebody who's never heard the fall before. You say, have a listen to this and see what you think. And most people, I think, would enjoy it. But like, as we were saying, it has got the big beat and Fat Boy Slim going on with it. But they know what they're doing with it. It doesn't sound slapped on over the top. It sounds like that's how they're writing the songs now. Um, and they do it very, very well. So, yeah, so there's there's hits and misses on it, but I think generally it holds together very well. We've I mean, said this so many times, but Smith's voice works so well with pretty much any sort of backing track. And it's interesting because some of them, he, he understands it because he's doing it in the moment. But even the stuff where they're clearly chopping him up and moving it around, it still works. It's just his voice as an instrument. And if it was just an instrument, fair enough. But then the actual lyrics as well, just just unbelievable. Like, didn't want to stop listening to that track where he's talking about injecting Domestus into your eyes. It's like, it, just unbelievable. What does uh, our friend over there on the other side think of this record? The bad stuff on here, especially the covers, really bring the package down. But for me, the good stuff far outweighs the bad. Touch Sensitive is a great pop gem. Shakeoff is the best song they did in the decade. I love the skank of Inevitable, the heavy blast of the good Antidotes track, the sweet melancholy of Birthday song, and the massive improvement to On My Own. Although I skip back and forth when listening to it, I think it's my favourite of this batch. It's also worth noting that the original release sounds pretty shitty compared to the later three CD reissue, which I don't think is on the streaming places. Much more clarity, a little less nasty digital chunk. Fair enough. Aye. Right, this uh, review here, Ezra, after tripping over their own feet with the lethargic levitate, these lean, spiky punkers permeate again and it is evenly split between hollow-bodied pro-techno meandering ambience. Marshall Sweet is ultimately too scattered to rub shoulders with the fall's finest albums, but another stray bunch of classics to toss into the band's ever-growing canon. They disqualified themselves at the start with the fucking snubbing of uh, levitate, but... Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of scattershot, this one. I'll, I'll grant them that, but yeah. Originally accepted. Okay, I'll let them know. Mm. How about this one for you, Phil? The most underrated fall album, and it sounds better coming out of cheap earbuds. Mark brought in a whole new bunch of players who ended up sounding exactly like the band from Levitate. It takes the electronic dance of Levitate and bigs them up experimenting more successfully and evocatively within songs that in other hands might have seemed silly or crude. That's not too far from what you were saying, right? It's, yeah, I, I don't find myself massively disagreeing with that. I, I think it's probably, uh, I would probably phrase it differently, but yeah, I can see where they're coming from with that. Fair enough. And last one, it seems like we're all in agreement. I couldn't really find too many uh, dissenting opinions, interestingly, on this album, which is never really viewed as, a, as the high point, but uh, everyone seems to kind of like it. Right, this uh, Al, part energizing, part incomprehensible, part frustrating. Easily the best fall album since the wonderful and frightening world of the fall. A wonderful testament to Marky Smith's stubborn brilliance for survival and reinvention. Best LP since Wonderful and Fried, and that's a, a bit of a dirtment, isn't it? Um, better than This Nation's Saving Grace. Better than Light User Syndrome. Better than Extricate, you know. Better um, than extra. What can you say? Uh, partly right, partly wrong. Um, Mostly yeah. wrong. Yeah. I'll tell you what I was thinking as well, which I meant to mention before, is this is probably the first album that I heard from the fall when it came out because 
like the previous album was i think when i got my first tape from my mutual friend christopher mooney jameson um so this is the first one that came out where i'm like oh a new fall album i shall listen to this band that i'm now into um and i remember being really pleasantly impressed by it and i remember enjoying it the first time i listened to it i didn't feel like i needed my hand holding with it even though it was very oh, yeah. different from the stuff i had been listening to yeah actually this was levitate was where i came on in real time i said like the week when i was some of that dead bush era stuff was coming out and i was kind of listening but levitate and marshall suit were the first two that got in real time i went out and bought and i, I kind of that's why i fell in love with them but then strangely enough fell out again and never heard the unutterable for many years so in 1998 we think mark smith was given the godlike genius award by the nme and strangely enough he actually turned off to accept it which i did not think he would do and eddie izzard um, presented it to him have all felt his power he's here he's gonna get it now and there it is Not like you should be funny, Eddie. Thank you very much for this award. Uh, it's uh, all due to um, John Leonard, Stephen Halley, uh, without uh, w which uh, and Caroline and um, Irene and Julia. What's it mean? I think the achievement should go to the people who read the NMA who can read it from cover to cover, all right. Ladies and gentlemen, Marky Smith! So he leaves the award on the stage as you'd expect him to. Um, and his thanks, he goes, this thanks go to John Leonard, Steve Hanley, Caroline, Irene and Julia. That's uh, who he gives thanks to for his uh, years of success. Who's Irene in that? I think Irene is his mum's name. And Carol Caroline's his sister. And then obviously Julia. I don't know who John Leonard is, who he's referring to. Uh, but interesting that he's give, he talks Hanley because that would have been the time that Hanley was either just going or just gone. So um, interesting. Right, though. It's right that he references him. He knows. Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt, that's the biggest difference between the first half and the second half of the fall. Scanlon had, had kind of run his course, unfortunately. I think he might have come back. In that interview where he talks about um, leaving on, on the old brother, he does say maybe he, he might come back and he might have got, you know. Hanley was still knocking out song after song, album after album, and, and kind of Prague had like, moved into the background a lot, especially due, due, during the Fontana kind of years. Hanley, pre-post Hanley, that's the biggest difference i think shall we move on let's let's move on to lp 21 the unutterable uh mark smith julia nagel again neville wilding and adam hillal and tom head so the same lineup more or less but ben pritchard who would take over the band for the next few albums did jump in on a couple it came out in 2000 Alternative Rock, produced by Grant Showbiz and Mark E. Smith. Let's have a listen to some of the stuff off The Unutterable. Fell. 
not like that track it's one of the best fucking fall tracks ever committed to cut to record that this is what's interesting as we've gone on so obviously we did the early albums in the first couple of specials and we already knew those pretty well but i imagine had we done this um this special earlier it would have been a very different perspective because we've now listened to like two-thirds of these songs out of context and now we get a chance to kind of listen to it in context and it's t- <laughs> my pumpkin super mashed potatoes just i still it perplexes me that decision it's um it is a, a sore <laughs> thumb to um 
that uh, the sore thumb of all sore thumbs. But uh, Pip, what do you reckon to the unutterable? So yeah, I, I you know what I really really like this album. It is an album that I go back to time and time again, and and possibly some of it is that nostalgia of this is the time when I was listening to albums in in real time as they were coming out, and I really really enjoyed this when it came out. Right, remember when Cyber Insect first time I heard that I thought I can get into this album. This is great. This is it's got a chug about it. It's got a nice energy about it. There's nothing really that throws me off on this album and there's no covers on it either which is really unusual isn't it it's it's all sort of original stuff um, it's the first I, one since um ben sinister so for for over so a like that's 15 years since they did an album we didn't have covers on and the last one before had a whole bunch so yeah it was a pretty bold decision and i i think probably we've all said sort of what our favorites are at this bunch this is probably my favorite out of this out of this bunch of albums in terms of songs that i regularly go back and have a listen to and, and get something out of um again i think Negle and wilding work really really well together i think the mixture of dynamics that are going on on this album works really well i like the production on it i, I think it's um, I think everybody gets a fair shake of the stick. Everybody's throwing ideas at Mark and it's it's all coming together really nicely. Um, and I think we talked about Levitate as being one of those pivotal sound albums in terms of them making a, an interesting kind of step forward or a development. I think this is this is actually a bit of a swan song album in terms of the fall as a band and everybody getting a really good first shake of the stick of throwing really good ideas at, at Mark and him him kind of managing some of that in terms of what he does. Because um, I think after this, we, we start to see the formulation of the final period, don't we? Um, which I do think is a bit different from a, from a band dynamic point of view. I think everybody's just being very well behaved on those kind of final albums. Whereas, whereas on this, I do feel like Never Wild and Enable are going, oh, we could do this and do that and, and actually trying stuff out. And it's it, there is still that sense of adventure, I think, in the music and the sense of doing things a little bit differently than they've been done before. So... I really enjoy this. I really like the song. Yeah. I think that the sense might still be around when they do Country on the Click, but um, with the next group, when Bert Whistle and Co come in for a couple of albums, but uh, this is definitely a, a lot of ideas. If you look at the two albums, it's the same lineup, but they couldn't be more different. The last one with pretty much Nagel kind of like shaping it, and this one does feel like a band. It feels like it's, it is being led by uh, Neville Wild and so just showing up and... Uh, the crunchy, crunchy drums really dated for me. Those crunchy, like turn of the century, kind of like dirty electronica, like death in Vegas, and those kind of like uh, crunchy, dirty electronic drums date it. I like it. I liked it a lot at the time, but I think uh, compared to the last two, you could tell this is twenty odd years old. Where the other two, you might get, you might take a, a few seconds to work out when they're from. What about you, Ezra? This uh, this tickles you. Yeah, very much. I mean, it's interesting. I think, you know, you, you might have nailed, like, maybe the weakest element of The Unutterable, which is, yeah, you know, those prior two albums, not that easy to date, maybe. Maybe more so with The Levitate and slightly less so with The uh, Marshall Suite. But it's such a fantastic album. And it's like this polar shift because, you know, on the previous Marshall Suite, as was said, you know, they're really blowing the zeitgeist. 
Christ, right? You know, and but here, this is like as Levitate, kind of a fall album in my mind, you know, like where they're just like kind of jumping off their own inspirations a lot more. And it's really nice. I really like the pacing on it because you know the title and the fractal boxes on the cover it's a horror movie of obviously it's a horror movie inutterable and it's a descent into that into the inutterable are you ready to descend into the inutterable and he really gets there and you know you've got the david lynch style pumpkin soup and mashed potatoes straight off the bat three of my all-time favorite fall songs would be cyber insect uh dr burns letter and two libras and they're all on the front half for this album and then it just gets sketchier and sketchier and you've got like I mean the intro to Ketman's Son which is practically half of the entire song is just like it's one of the most memorable things I've ever heard <laughs> and so yeah you know I it, it's a marvellous marvellous record and incredible that considering they were going through such dissolution over the period of these three albums that they threw them out because they all sound fucking magnificent yeah there's a few missteps you know um hands up billy and uh maybe heart runes but um other than that very very strong and there's there's some nice experimental detours alongside the the rocking uh rocking rock chops what about you alistair really like it um i think one thing you gotta sort of like definitely uh read into it when, when we've been listening to these it's like the fall putting out an LP a year, weren't they? Uh, and there was all the sorts of shenanigans going on around them and they were still touring and everything like that. So to be so creative and come up with like stuff, I mean, you always expect something a bit crap on a, on a fall LP because of, you know, the way that they, they, they create and they create and they create and then it's that work ethic. Yeah, so you expect it for one or two songs to, to be not quite as strong. Because, yeah, if you spent three years on an LP, they'd come out with something just amazing. You know, they could cut out some of that crap, like, but no, it was an LP a year. That, that was the way they did it. And um, that really, you know, for the quality control side of it, um, it, it must be like really difficult to do. But it's a bloody strong LP. Uh, you know, stuff like Cyber Inset, Two Librans, like Ezra said, um, Octor Realm, Ketamine Sun's just brilliant. Um, I love the song Unutterable, Hands Up Billy, you know, um, even though there's no Smith on it, it's, it's not a bad one. Um, and I, I do like, which sounds like quite cohesive, a bit like Phil was saying with, uh, you know, it's nobody's really sort of like um, taking the lead. Uh, it's I think it's more of a band effort. Um, everybody gets like the first shake of the stick, as it were. Um, and I do like Nagel's sort of like you know, the synthy string sound that gives it that real sort of like a uh, Joy Division kind of feel to it. Well, not feel to it, it's that kind of sound that they used to use. And uh, I, I think it's one of the, the nicest sort of synth sounds that um, the Fall have used. Uh, but yeah, she she comes up with that quite a bit on this and uh, other LPs that she's involved in. But yeah, good LP. Interesting you should say the thing about the three years because Bjork's just put out these podcasts where each episode is what her talk about one of her albums and I just listened to the first four or five and Bjork someone I, I really like but in very small doses I love her voice and I love what she does and and the the um, podcast are really interesting talking about her but she, the way she works she does work for three full years on this album she lets it just stay she does a big tour she and every single album she's got this real deep kind of like sense of the whole thing 
and it started me thinking about how uh, how that's a really different way to approach than what Smith was like. No, we're doing an album a year, no matter what. And it wasn't always exactly an album, but it was more or less. And no matter what, we are banging out this next album in the next three months. And but those are the ones I go back to and listen to. That's my preference. Right? I'm not listening to the Bjork albums every uh, every week, but I'm going back to the fall, and of course, that's personal preference and stuff. But it just it works. It works for them. And I think the fact you had to pull it together and put something out always ended up with something really interesting. I did pressure. Yeah, I think so. And he was just like, "This is the job. This is the job that we're doing. We got to mm-hmm. knock out that build, build the house or deliver those pallets. So we got to we got to." Um, install these microwave ovens <laughs> there's a bit of that isn't there there's also something about um it what struck me about this album is that it's a bit more festival friendly i think the sound is becoming a bit more of a of a kind i won't say stadium rock but it's certainly got the ability to hold a bigger crowd than the the stuff before this album which strikes me much more maybe not levitate that's a bad bad one to compare it against but everything before that has been pretty much for those medium-sized internal venues where you're going to get like six or seven hundred people you can get a good bass stomp and a good drum sound uh, with those kinds of acoustics this strikes me more of they're getting onto the festival circuit now and they're playing in front of thousands of people and you've got it you've got it's a, there's a different mentality to how that works and i think two librans is a really good example of how you make it work for a band like Fall, how they can make that Fall sound sort of tra- um, transfer over into that very different acoustic environment when you're playing outdoors. Um, and I, I just have to say what's been referenced to two Librans that she studied bees, Ezra. <laughs> How about Timothy, our friend? Does he dig this? What do you think? I'm not asked you what you think so far. Unalterable. What do you reckon he's going to say? Yes or no? He'll love it, but he'll question some of the production, but I think he'll dig it. The last two records had a lot of shit to pad them out to full length. This one had a full length great LP with a bunch of extra shit shoveled in for no good reason. Total shift in sound. We've gone from tumble down and barbarous to smooth and sheeny and nicely queued up in a DAW. What's that stand for? Digital audio audio workstation. That's it, yeah. A computer. (laughs) (laughs) I like the scuzzy ooziness of WB. Dr. Buckle's letter is the best thing they've done since Sherkoff. Octorealm is a marvellous number and Serum could just keep going forever and I wouldn't complain. Then we get a bunch of absolute shite thrown in for no reason, like Midwatch, Das Kater, wrong. Hands up, Billy. Putin's sleep, wrong. (laughs) Just imagine a world in which this has been trimmed down to a tight 10-track LP and we'd have something that could comfortably sit in the company of classic 80s period whatever but i am yeah. going to point out that that um i don't know if you chaps are playing a, a fun trick here but one of you referred to it as dr burns's letter and another one has referred to it as dr buckle's letter neither of which <laughs> are correct but i'm i'm accepting all all names at this point dr bumblebee's letter oh, Okay, how about this, Phil? Poxy. A recurring problem with this band is that they like to make art pieces that have little musical staying power or value. Every album has at least one up to the present jam song, one noise song, one insult song. I've been regularly chastised for not recognising this album as a classic, but it is not, and I will not. The album, although it starts strong, does not deliver. Uh, Wrong. (laughs) Yeah, wrong. In nearly everything that they've said, and we are all now slightly dumber for having heard that. 
That's right, what about this one? By Babe & Co. Suddenly the fall have gone industrial, lit with stinky sulfur fires, dancing with Beelzebub's grandnieces, the unutterable attacks, the best album ever created by the fall, perfectly exotic, inventively incredible, and extravagantly unbelievable. Well, there's just maybe two words there that I would disagree with. The first one would be suddenly, because they'd done Levitate like a couple of years earlier, and arguably that wasn't the first time that they could be described as industrial. Um, and yeah, the best fall record ever. I mean, it's very high up there. It's very high up there, but there are still four records that I have to say I prefer to this you know like uh like the other two that we talked about today the thing i love the most about it is the fact that it's pretty fucking unique in the whole canon of it yeah indeed indeed what about this i'll holds together musically perhaps through a slowly modulating synth saw wave the band and smith move as one hypnotic beast with guitar riffs so caustic, it's a wonder the recording tape didn't melt. Something that just likes words, that isn't it? You know, they're not really saying anything. <laughs> well, is it? Um, is it caustic? Is it the most caustic guitar sound you've ever heard in your life? Um, no, was it flat? They're just they're just sort of using hyperbole, aren't they? You know, it's, caustic. It's, was you, were your most, ears burning well, and bleeding oh, as oh, you listened? Oh, oh, did you just say is it flip then? Yeah. <laughs> is it blinking flip? Caustic. <laughs> No, not caustic. Wrong. I, w- I wouldn't want to spend too much time reading stuff written by whoever's done that because they just they just get a bloody. Uh, the blood that's your job. Tom Server's rage <laughs> for uh, in- inappropriate in- uh, opinions all over the interwebs, and believe me, this next album it's going to bring some along. We're going to move on, I think, to Are You Our Missing Winner? LP22 released in the year of our law 2001 genre alternative rock this um the with there's no interviews to play in between um, there was literally i could not find a single recorded video or audio in interview smith was keeping stum probably some good um, written ones out there but uh, anyway let's have a listen to the the magic that is are you are missing winner
So album 22, lineup Smith, Jim Watts on bass, Ben Pritchard on guitar, and Spencer Birtwistle on drums, who would later become known as the TLCs. They stuck around for three albums, but again, for the third time in four albums, a completely total change of lineup, and Nagel is now out of the picture. Ed Blaney was never an official member, but he basically played on a lot of this album too and did a lot of stuff with Smith in and around this time. It was, it was one of the criticisms is how quickly, uh, one of the things people say is that the production is really bad and especially the, the um, mastering, leaving on an even kind of audio quality because it was basically recorded in August of 2001 and released like five weeks later or something like that. It's a, it was massively rushed out. The band was short of money and so they recorded in a really cheap studio with rats running around and Ben Pritchard said, there was a weightlifter's gym above us. You do re you'd be recording a take, and suddenly you'd hear boom, someone would drop the barbells on the floor, and you'd have to stop and start again. Um, Andy Cowan of the Birmingham Post called it an appallingly recorded throwaway kid stuff, in which Maggie Smith sounds paralytic, mumbling and running <laughs> like a sorry old man. You can almost smell the wee. Ed Blaney said, um, we did the whole thing in two weeks in Salford. Mike insisted all the new band members contributed back to rock and roll basics, the beginning of a new fall era. What do you reckon, Phil? Are you our missing winner? Well, you can really feel the Blaney magic on this album. I would say uh, it's it's not without it's not without charms, but I think overall um, this is the price you pay for being a fall fan, really. And we've we've talked about uh, how the working methodology is. is. He frozen or is he pausing for dramatic effect? I've I've frozen because okay. you don't frozen. So that's why I show up. So. <laughs> All I was going to say is that, um, uh, yeah, this is the price you pay for being a fall fan, isn't it? So you take the rough with the smooth, really, and this is uh, certainly one of the rougher albums that's that's got some nice nuggets to uh, to pick out. Uh, but as a whole, it's it's a bit hard work to listen to. I think this is not an album that I put on without skipping at least a couple of tracks. I think I said the same thing for. Cerebral Caustic, I think it's the second half is really strong after a lot I say the same about this. If you give me Jim's the Fall, Bourgeois Time, Crop Dust, X Classmates, Kids, I'm, I'm well on board. It doesn't keep my attention much after that, other than a little bit of a laugh for Bastardo and maybe uh, <laughs> problematic Iggy Pop's appearance. Um, Ezra, what do you reckon to Are You Are Missing Winner? Yeah, I really like it. Um, first off, it's potentially got the best album title out of all the fall album titles. Um, I, I absolutely love that title so much. Like, I would, oh, I would it's very it. northern, isn't it? So, like, when I I'm, and I'm a teacher, right? So I always used to work with kids who would write our or you are as as R A R E. Like that was basically everybody always yeah. spell our as R. So this is like. To me, it's always been written in like a in a shot window. He's seen it in a shot window. Someone handwritten sign like "Are you our missing winner?" and it's it's brilliant. And then we get to the concept of the missing winner, and I, 
I think it's just beautiful. And the cover of the album as well is just like a high point design. A fucking Star Wars from it kills me every time. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's Eleni as well. So she was around for this period, but she hadn't joined the band yet. So she comes on board in the next album. So like this is very much a transition, another transition into basically Eleni and the boys. It's perfection itself, the design and production. Uh, I mean, the production of the design, not production of the sound, of course. It, it marries perfectly to the sound because it's exactly that kind of sound that you would get when you would pick up like them fucking CDs of like grime DJs or whatever that had been self-produced kind of demo quality sound, basically. And it to me, the other interesting thing is, is I feel like it's maybe the first fall comeback album. Like, you know, the first one where they'd been completely written, they'd written themselves off and then they're like, yeah, now we're back. And so, you know, the chutzpah oozes throughout the whole thing. It just makes it even fucking better for me. And yeah, like you say, you know, like the first few tracks, like even even, even the uh, Lead Belly cover, which was hilariously credited to Robert Johnson. And I'm sure that was <laughs> deliberate. Um, are all corkers. And then, yeah, you've got the uh, Ibis Hotel Afro Man, which I also think is probably, again, if I was making a full compilation, I would feel obligated to include that track I, I think it's so fucking inventive and so funny and the whole thing was obviously done under severe financial and temporal limitation <laughs> and so it's great that they got that out of it and those other tracks but it also unfortunately has maybe the first full song that I think I might say that I might actively hate which would be well I mean Gotta See Jane that's a cover so I can't hate it that much but like the whole fucking uh, Sweet Jane reprise Bastardo song like for me that's real I mean that that's even worse than uh, anecdotes and antidotes in B flat you know like it's just a real like firing into a microphone and put that on the second side or done annoy two and just like taken one of your good songs and slowed them down you know whatever <laughs> but this is I'm not sure I'm shaking my head Rezra I'm, I'm perplexed of all the songs we've listened to that is the one that finally <laughs> pushed you over the edge but fair enough yeah, it's the straw straw that broke the camel's back hi Alistair what do you make of are you our missing winner it's good in parts in it, you know. Um, if you don't mind the, the garagey stuff, I really love crop dust. I thought that was great. Um, you know, kick the can. It's kind of have a bit of a can groove to it. I think we might have discussed that previously. Um, but yeah, it's got a really nice feel to it. It's, uh, there's a lot of energy there. And, uh, you know, maybe it's after all, man. You know, it's all wrong, but in, in the right way, in my opinion. And uh, definitely like with all the, the squealing at the end of it with the monkeys and that kind of stuff is it's just, you know, for me, it, it ticks a lot of boxes. It's just beautifully ridiculous. And then you're getting into like the real stupid territory of like Bastardo and stuff, um, which, again, being a childish bastard, uh, it appeals to me. So, yeah, I don't mind it. Um, it's, yeah, it's not the best one, I think, because somebody said before, like, if he was going to put it on, like, you know, you would possibly flip through one or two songs on it. But 
there'd be others on there that you you definitely enjoy. And for me, Prop Dust is, is amazing. Divisive. It's a divisive album, for sure. Um, what does Timmy think? Sure. His pop feels like a sort of reaction against the last LP in some ways. A lot of the intricacies chucked in the bin to be replaced by too many garage rockings and repeated stuff that didn't need to be here once, never mind twice or three times. The highs are real high though. Jim's the fall and crop dust are great. The rest is either very standard and dull or ill-conceived and annoying. Not a good record at all. But I guess it's just again testament that they could never settle into a rut. There were never two or three albums that just sounded the same. And the fact is it's a whole new band and it and it kind of sounds like it sounds like a band still trying to find its feet. Again, we said the same about, you know, the Marshall Suite then going into the Unutterable. Uh, and if you look at this, and then from Are You Are Missing Winner, it um, essentially goes into Country on the Click, the real new Fall LP, which is the same lineup, but is absolutely magnificent. I mean, Elaine is on board by that point, but it's an album of people finding their feet. And, and as far as that goes, it isn't bad. Um, which does make me wonder what the um, Reformation band would have done had they got a couple more albums, but I don't think I'm prepared to take that risk. How about this? Um, Ezra. It's a difficult album that captured a time when Smith goes back to his dragnet and witch trials days, bringing the production values down under his tin hat of carrier bag lyrics. This is the ugly duckling of recent fall albums. Don't let yourself be fooled. There's a swan in here, even if it's a swan twisted out of shape. My Marmite fall album, if we can call it that. Yeah, ugly duckling for sure. Marmite, I don't know, man. Like, you know, if you want to call yourself a fall fan and you're not going to have that, then you might want to, you know, like, I don't know, pick up a Christopher album or something. And yeah. Wow, you know. this kitten's got claws. <laughs> Back to his dragnet and witch trials days. I think they're specifically well, talking fun. production, yeah. not not songwriting quality. You would assume so because there's a country mile or more of difference there. So yeah, you know. So although you do like this album, you wouldn't say uh, that it ranks above dragnet or witch trials in the uh, in the overall scheme of things. Oh, not at all. Yeah, no. So what about this? How best to fall the unutterable, the fall's previous release? If you're Mikey Smith, the obvious thing to do is sack the band, spend all your money, and start again with a new lineup recording in penury. Penury. Um, AYAMW is a dispatch from the front lines of a battle forgotten. The enemy are at the gates, and the news from the war is really encouraging. However, it marches on the spot. The cover is awful. The production is bad. The song is lousy, and Marky Smith is in a really bad mood. The band are not playing him well. In other words, a great album by the fall. Love it or leave it. <laughs> uh, I like the review. Um, I, it's, but I, I don't actually agree with... Um, the, I don't think it's a dour album. I think, there's, I think there is... Uh, that last track I best out, I remember when we were talking about it, it sounds like they're having a laugh in the studio. It sounds like, you know, there might be rats running around and uh, people working out above them, but it, it sounds like um, it, it's it's like a, a young band. I remember going into the rehearsal rooms with you and a bottle of cider and having a laugh before I was, do you know what I mean? It's like, it, it feels like an album like that where it was probably quite enjoyable to play. 
might not be as enjoyable to listen to if you weren't involved in it in the first place. But um, I'm, with, I'm with Ezra, really, because it, it echoes uh, what I said before in terms of you take the rough and the smooth of the fall. You either, you either love the fall or you don't. You can't do it by all the No. And the whole concept of ranking songs to see which is the best is... <laughs> <laughs> Regretted that decision from day Feels one. Down. What about this, uh, Alistair? Are you a missing winner will test your tolerance for unproduced, crudely recorded riff rock for completists only? Difficult to say, really. It, it depends what your tolerance uh, levels are like. You know, if you if you are just used to listening to Christy Burr, then uh, you know you're going to struggle with this one. I don't know who this Christy Burr is, but I, I I feel they should have their day in court as well. Um, well, that was it. We had a look, we had a look at um, Levitate, um, Marshall Sweet, The Honest Trouble, and Are You Missing Winner, spanning from 1998 to 2001. Is it? Da, 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 it's a new century. Next time round, we uh, will come to a whole new chunk. So we'll have Country on the Click, Head Roll. Is he a real fan? This is, is where this is what was that no That's why I couldn't get it. Oh, no, it's, right. it's country on the click, heads roll. <laughs> We're do that next time. Country on the click, heads roll, reformation, and then imperial wax, and then we're into the you know kind of. Instead of playing all the songs on Fresh, yes, we just play insult song all the way through. Yeah, why not? <laughs> all right, lads. Well, um, uh, I enjoyed this uh, this uh, trip down uh, Fall Lane. I hope uh, you did too. We'll see you real soon. Cheers. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks, guys.